going on? Happy Wednesday and welcome to Chatterbox Reds. My name is Nick Kirby. Chatterbox Reds is your daily home for live post-game shows after every Reds game on YouTube and podcasts like you're listening to right now, always available bright and early the morning after every Reds game. We are presented, as always, by Betfred Sportsbook. Well, coming up on today's show, myself and Trace Fowler discuss Tuesday's game. I'll recap all the Reds minor league action on Tuesday and preview Wednesday's series finale against the Marlins. But first, here's what happened at Great American Ballpark on Tuesday night. In the top of the second, the Marlins got on the board against Luke Weaver, but it really could have been much worse. Weaver was able to get Luis Arise to ground out to strand the bases loaded. In the bottom of the second, the Reds responded. Spencer Steer singled. He reached second on a fielder's choice. And then TJ Friedel stayed hot, doubling him home to tie the game up at one. Luke Weaver was able to get into the fifth inning with only one run allowed. And then David Bell went to the bullpen with one out. Sam Mole got a double play to get out of the fifth inning. In the bottom of the fifth, Stuart Fairchild hit a little league home run. He hit a ball down the right field line that was misplayed by the Marlins de la Cruz. Then the throw home was a bit offline. Fairchild, for some reason, went home with no one out, and he was also somehow able to avoid the tag, and it was 2-1 Reds. It stayed that way until the top of the seventh. Buck Farmer got the first two outs, but then the Marlins' worst hitter in the lineup, Nick Forte's Farmer hit. Lucas Sims came in. He didn't really make a terrible pitch, but Jorge Soler hit his 28th home run of the season, and that put the fish up 3-2. The Marlins' bullpen, they retired 15 of the last 16 Reds batters, and the Reds fell 3-2, a tough, tough loss on Tuesday night. Reds now 60-56 and on the season. Here's what David Bell had to say about the loss. The Friedel's hit and the and Fairchild. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, TJ, great at bat. Obviously, what, what happened with Stu, but you're right. I mean, it, we know we know we need to score more runs to be able to win. Um, I thought we took some good at bats off off of uh, Garrett. I thought they made some nice plays, but uh, there's no question we, we need more opportunities on the bases, and uh, they did a nice job of keeping us uh, off the bases tonight, and that was really the difference. I guess the good news was you will take pitching that you got tonight pretty much every night. For sure. I thought that was Luke, one of Luke's better starts of the year. Um, good fastball, good cutter, uh, nice changeup, and, um, yeah, I mean, being able to, to hold that team to, to three runs, um, you know, Luke pitched well, but um, the bullpen then took over pretty early and really gave us a, a nice chance to win the game. For Lucas, I think it was the first time he's gone three straight days in a while. Um, do, yeah, yeah, you never know for sure how much um, that could that can affect guys. I mean, the, the pitch counts in those two days were, were low enough where we felt really strong about sending him back out tonight. Um, thought he made a good pitch uh, to, to a really good hitter. Um, and, uh, you know, that was the difference. First pitch, of, he came in, um, so we didn't really get to see much of it. But, you know, Lucas felt good going into the day physically, so he was definitely available. Can you take us through the emotions of Fairchild's at bat, the Little League home run? Yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, <laughs> it, with our, our team, you know, it's, 
we were all yelling that's a homer you know not nothing against their team or the player or anything like that but as soon as it got by we know it's tough in the corner right there and Stewart can fly so um, we thought we thought there was a chance that it was going to happen and, and sure enough you know he was running hard right out of the box and that's really the key and here's what Tuesday's starting pitcher Luke Weaver had to say what was good for you tonight it seemed like you were had some spots you really finding your rhythm. Yeah, it was a battle. I mean, not getting ahead was tough on the pitch count, obviously deep in the game there. Uh, but just battled back and just kept trusting it. You know, mainly back there, just continued to instill confidence in the stuff I had. And I, know I believed in it as well. So it was just really about executing um, a little bit later than earlier, which is not preferred. But, uh, you know, just able to get some swing and misses there late and we did some things that were a little different um, as far as backdoor cutters, front door cutters, different, different, uh, used to change up more um, and just was finding a good rhythm there. After you give up those back-to-back doubles in the second, um, bases were loaded, how important was it for for your night to get, get out of that? Yeah, obviously, uh, one, two to Berger there, just didn't execute the fastball well enough. Good swing, and then Wendell, same thing, just uh, doubled up on the curveball and, um, it's tough, 2-2, two, two, so you kind of want to throw a strike the ball, but you didn't want to get to 3-2, so just kind of left it a little bit into the zone, and he put a good swing. So, yeah, it's uh, a rise. Of course, comes up, but the base is loaded, so it's just about bearing down. And, hey, how do I want to sleep tonight? Do I want to, you know, give everything I got and have a lot of will out there and a lot of uh, confidence just to push through it? And, you know, whatever happens, happens. So the last two pitches, I just kind of really bear down and fired them and, uh, was able to get the ground ball. So I think that helped save the game in the moment and uh, showed something to myself and I think my teammates. Well, the Brewers walked four batters in the top of the 10th inning and they lost 7-3 to to the 23 games under 500 Colorado Rockies. So the Reds remain a game and a half back in the NL Central. The Cubs did win, but the Phillies, Giants, D-backs, and Padres all lost. So the Reds are tied with the Cubs for the final wildcard spot. And they are a half game ahead of the Marlins, two games ahead of the Diamondbacks, and then the Reds and Cubs are both three back of the first and second wildcard spots, which are occupied by the Phillies and Giants, who are in a tie. All right, well, here is myself and Trace Fowler discussing Tuesday's game. All right, we do them after every game, which means that there's going to be games that are disappointing. This is one of them. And it's largely based off the fact, Nick, that you felt like this team played relatively well, except for one part of the – one major part of what this team had done in the past well, which is score runs, manufacture runs, have depth in their lineup. Uh, they've gone cold. They've gone cold. I think – if there was one thing that you pointed the finger to, and maybe this is an obvious statement, but the one thing that, 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 that has been lacking has been the play of Ellie De La Cruz in regards to his efficiency at the plate uh, since he came up and the offense in general. It's not all Ellie. I'm not trying to just say it's all Ellie. But I think it does do one thing, in my opinion, Nick. Um, it shows how valuable Ellie can be if he plays well. I think that's probably the more appropriate way to say it. Yeah, I mean, I also think it wouldn't have probably mattered tonight, you know, facing a lefty, but I think Jake Fraley's a really huge loss for this team, too. Um, you know, being out, I think he's just such a good hitter and makes this lineup so much longer. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ellie's the 
at least the guy that, that makes it happen at the top of the order. And when he's not hitting, it's uh, this team's just, you know, Ellie takes a team from here and makes him here or exactly. vice versa. Yeah, I mean, that's my main point. I, I This isn't anything, this isn't a slight on Ellie by any means. I mean, if you think Ellie De La Cruz is a disappointment or a bust or you, 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 you're whatever term you want to use right now with him, I would just tell you, like, you can't have it both ways, man. I mean, you can't expect this guy to play as well as he did when he first came up and give the energy and the life that this team needed when he first came up as a rookie all year long. You know? I mean, that's just... You could you could say whatever you want about it, but that's just unrealistic. And right now, he's going through it. I... I don't even want to say he's going to figure it out. I don't think that's the right word to use. I don't think that's the right phrase to use. I think we hope that he finds a solution. We hope that there's something that he that triggers his mind or triggers kind of his 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 approach at the plate that makes him a little more competitive. I think that's the term that that I would come up with. I, I'd like to see him be a little more competitive at the plate and play loose and free again. It's almost like. Maybe the expectations did catch up with some of these young guys and, and they started to feel themselves a little bit and then they started to struggle and then that kind of snowballed. But the the beautiful thing is, if anything, is that if Ellie does play to anywhere close to the potential that he has, and that's not a guarantee, but if he does play to the potential that he has, he elevate you've seen what he's done already. He elevates a team significantly. Significantly. Uh, and then you add in, I think Matt McLean too. I'm not, I'm not leaving him out. I think that th- those two guys in and of themselves, I'm not saying they can carry a team completely, but they were the main ingredient as to why this team was playing at a high level offensively. Uh, and you sprinkle in other guys, obviously, uh, as well. But you know, they're not playing well. And I, I think that uh, I think that's something to point out here before we start the show. We have obviously a full list of topics: Dream Weaver, Sims in the bullpen. I think that David Bell will probably be mentioned within that as well. Um, I, I know obviously anytime the Reds lose and there's a pitching change in in, in, in any capacity at all, David Bell is obviously going to be uh, have his name brought up. Uh, as disappointing as these nights are, you always have to remind yourself that the other teams that uh, that we're chasing also play. Doesn't doesn't make it. I guess it's always an opportunity. Every time you win, you're gonna either gain ground or you're gonna hold your line. And um, obviously, that's the goal every night. But again, we're getting in the. I think it's fair to say that we are in scoreboard watching season uh, from now until the end of the year. So um, you know, many may think that this is a loser's mentality, but I, I I just I I have to I have to say this because if I don't, I feel disingenuous. You have to remind yourself that we that we are we're banking on a bunch of guys that are unproven. Those are the facts. Those are the facts. Can you be a little disappointed? Yes. But I would think and I would like to venture to say that being severely disappointed is a little crazy. And being severely disappointed would be actually completely understandable. When these guys have played a year or two in the big leagues, and we come to ex- we have expectations, we have re- real expectations of what guys should and should not be, and yes, we can say, "Oh, well, did you watch him a month and a half ago?" And 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 blah blah blah. Okay, well, listen, 
maybe a bad analogy, but if you play golf and I and we go out and play golf together and you and you shoot one of the best rounds you've ever shot in your life and I, and, and we go out to play golf again the next week, am I to expect for you to shoot the same exact round for the rest of your life? Probably not. At some point you're going to maybe you're going to maybe fall back to the mean and and the main point I'm making is it's okay to be frustrated, but I see people like thinking that Ellie needs to go to AAA and 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 and, I, and my main point to that is this he has to get better here. He has to learn here. He's already proven that he can do whatever he wants at the AAA level for the most part. And I would also argue, I've said this before, you know, Ellie provides so much on the opposite side of the ball. And also, if he does get on, and he's not got on a lot lately, but if he does get on, he is elite in regards to stealing backs and, and, and basically giving us free 90 base uh, free 90, free 90 feet free bases so even a routine fielder's choice ground ball by Ellie de la Cruz might end up in a baseball game being the difference because he steals second base and you score a run so I just I get it I'm not naive to it I'm not suggesting you know oh you should be happy about everything that's not the case I'm making here but I think that there needs to be a little rationality within the show and within the chat at times, too. I'm not... Let's get into it. Dreamweaver. People are going to think I'm crazy when I say this. I still think he can throw better. I I still think he can throw better. Did He gave up one run through five innings, I think, was the line. I, I You might have it off the top, uh, right there four, in front of you. Four and a third. Four and a third. So, not a great out. I mean, you know, listen. What, is it for, for, for Luke Weaver, is it good? Yeah, it's good. Is it good, though? No, it's not good. Okay? It's not great. But at the end of the day, you lose three to two, man. You scored two runs. I'm not going to sit here and bash Luke Weaver because he went four and a third innings, gave up one run, had about 43 pitches going into the second inning. Made a good pitch, by the way, right? Made a good pitch, by the way, to a really good hitter in the second inning with the bases loaded. Got out of the inning. That was after, Nick, he could have folded because he gave up a weak single. I'm assuming they called that a single. Who knows with these scorekeepers anymore? Um, but there was a little dribbler down to third base, and Senzel couldn't make the bare hand play. So, you know, I getting four outs in an inning in Major League Baseball is tough sometimes, so I give him credit for that. But at the at the end of it, a little bit of above average start at best. Yeah, I thought the first two innings he was really bad, especially in that second inning. He was just not attacking the hitters. It felt like he was pitching scared at times almost. Rightfully um, so, kind of. And I mean, when you've had the season he has, I mean, I you know, I don't fault the guy for being a little hesitant. But it did feel like after he got through that second, like the third and fourth inning, he was really aggressive, did strike out six batters. Um, and for, for Luke Weaver, I thought that was all you could ask. Connor Phillips didn't make it out of the second inning tonight for Louisville. So we talked about them last night. How I think I feel like the Reds, there might be something to them putting them on the same day. Well, Luke Weaver outpitched Connor Phillips in the big leagues. This is one day, but it, it, it happened tonight. So we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes going forward. I thought David Bell made the right decision pulling him early. I think it was a lot easier to pull him tonight than a lot of these other starts because, A, you have an extra reliever, and that extra reliever is a starter in Brett Kennedy. So you have a lot more flexibility with that, and the Reds have three off days in the next 10 days coming up. So I think part of the thought maybe was, hey, 
we're probably looking at getting four innings out of four or five innings out of Luke Weaver. That might have been the mindset almost coming into this game. If you would have if you would have gone into tonight and you said, hey, at the end of the day, the Reds are going to allow three runs, every single one of us would have signed up. Yep, that'll give us a chance. And pitching did their job. The offense didn't. Yeah, it's really as simple as that. I, I you know, when you do a hundred hundred plus of these shows, right? You're after, you're on here after every game. There, there's times where where um, you know as well as I do that there's topics of conversation that you can spend some time discussing and have a relevant, reasonable conversation about it and have good points on both sides. At this point, there's not really a lot to be discussed in regards to what the Reds can do. The trade deadline is passed. They have who they have. And it's just a matter of making plays. It's a matter. It's a matter of guys playing well. You can crush David Bell all you want, but David Bell didn't go and and, and hit at all tonight. He didn't go yeah. to the plate one time. And if you want to sit here and say, "Well, he should have kept Farmer in. He was rolling," or you know, maybe you keep Mullen because he was throwing well. Or at what point? At what? At what point does that give? At what point does it give? I, listen, I'm not a stand for David Bell. You know as well as I do. He's probably in there mumbling through the post-game press conference as we speak right now, and he's probably telling everybody, "Well, we're just going to go out there and play hard tomorrow, and we're going to treat we're going to treat every game the same. We know this isn't the same. It's the same 162. The first game's the same as the 162nd game. He might he might be doing that. But my main point to this is that players have to make plays. Matt McLean comes up with a guy on second and third with two outs. If he gets a hit right there, the game's different. He doesn't. If Ellie can get on base one time tonight, maybe he's able to score. If TJ Friedel doesn't steal third base on his own, by the way, right? On his own, by the way. And I'm not suggesting that it was a horrible decision. But to think that that came from the dugout, I thought someone on Twitter suggested to me that, well, that might have came from the dugout. Listen, this is Major League Baseball. You are getting a steal sign at first base maybe, maybe two or three times a year, at most two or three times a year from the dugout. Outside of that, you either are told, hey, man, you got the green light all year long until I tell you you don't, or you got the red light and you ain't doing nothing until I tell you you do something. TJ Friedel has the green light. He got a back picked on second base. He was safe. Nick, in my mind, he thought to himself that, hey, there's no way in the world he's going to back pick twice right here in a row. I'm going to take off as soon as I think he's going to start to consider to go to the plate. And he he got a good jump. The guy made a great throw. And you know what I would also say to TJ's defense? If that SOB throws the ball into, into, into left field and scores... Every single one of you guys are telling me how great of a player TJ Friedel is. You can't sit here and, and kill a guy for making a decision on one end, but then on the other end, let the result dictate whether or not you think it's a good play or not. That's not how this game works. You kill a guy for the decision he makes, whether it's right or wrong, based off of the result should not matter. It's based off the decision that was made. Stuart Fairchild was a terrible decision, god-awful decision. And you know what? Not a single one of you want to talk about it. No one in the chat has said Stuart Fairchild rounding third base, stopping between third and home like a frozen deer, getting ready to get hit by a semi-truck, just standing there, staring at the catcher, caught a break. So all I'm saying is, is that David Bell, okay, at the end of it, he can't make the plays for the guys. 
He can't. We need some of our starters, our stars, our offensive producers to step up and be somebody. That's what it takes. And I'm not trying to be a David Bell stan, but but really, I'm going to try to bring some levity to this. Some realistic things to discuss with about David Bell. I'm tired of seeing a 3-2 to two baseball game, and the one thing that I see in the chat over and over and over and over again is that David Bell brought in a guy and he gives up a home run on a good pitch. He was, it was a good pitch. Go look at it. It's not David Bell's fault that the guy hit a good pitch over the fence. Just the same as it's not David Bell's fault that we can't get a guy in from second base with two outs. Somebody on this team needs to make some plays. Period. Yeah, I think that guy's fifth in the National League in home runs. I mean, that's a good hitter in a in a good ballpark to hit home runs. Like that kind of stuff's going to happen. Um, but look, the Reds aren't going to win a whole lot of games, especially against a left-handed pitcher. When Matt McClain and Ellie De La Cruz go for four. Sure, you could have Joey Votto in lineup, but Joey Votto is not going to provide you a lot of value against left-handed pitching anyways. Those are the guys that you you have to have play better. It's not their fault. They're rookies. We're asking way too much out of Matt McClain and Ellie De La Cruz right now. We just are. We're asking, asking too much out of Andrew Abbott. We're asking these guys to carry us in a playoff race while they're trying to learn how to play in the major leagues. Can I just stop you for a second, though, and remind everybody that this team's like a game and a half out of first place? The, 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 why, why, why are we acting like... I mean, I get it. The wheels have fallen off a little bit. But, like, the last time I checked, there's a lot of ball left. Tonight wasn't a, ho- tonight wasn't a horrible rendition. This is what Luke Maley wasn't pitching in the eighth inning tonight. We lost a baseball game. The Reds lost a baseball game tonight. Okay, that's I'm not I'm not suggesting they couldn't have played better. Of course they could have, but to sit here and be like that 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 the lo- all losses are the same. I guess they are in the in the loss column. But in regards to the way the way that it looks and feels, look, the the games in Chicago were a disgrace. They were a disgrace. Tonight they lost the game. The offense didn't show up. I I, I see Jim. Um, loyal watcher of the show. I appreciate him watching this show. Says Sims needs to throw it not in his hitting zone. Fastball is Solier's favorite pitch. Make him chase. Okay, but you got to get ahead of a hitter to start an at-, at bat more times than not. You also okay if you look up and I'm, you know that I'm not an analytical guy, but I I don't mind looking at heat maps in regards to an actual you know offensive production standpoint. That same pitch in that same count. To Solaire, he was hitting 100 or less. It's right on the fringe marker of him hitting .000. And if you've never looked at baseball stats before, that means he's never gotten a hit off that pitch in that count the entire year. I'll re-say that one more time to make sure everybody understands. That same pitch in that same count, he didn't get one hit all year long. If it was just a little bit to the left, because you could argue it's in two different quadrants, he was hitting 100 on the year on that same pitch in that same spot. That's my thing, though. And I, I, I'm we're sitting here, we're sitting here talking about a guy going opposite field, hitting a fastball in the lower right hand quadrant of the of the zone for a home run to give them a three to two lead. And that's the main. I don't say main, but that's the, that's one of the most talked about points in the chat. When the reality is. We scored two runs. Scored two runs. And that's what the main point of this is should be about. 
That's what the main focus about this should be about. And I, I don't know, you know, killing guys or crushing guys. Ellie's got to play better. Just does, Nick. And you know what? He might not. He might not. Because he's a rookie. He's, 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 you know, he's very raw. And we hope that he gets back on track. But you don't, there's no guarantee. This isn't Ronald Acuna. You know? It's just not. And when I say that, I don't mean that he can't be as good as Ronald Acuna, if not better, because I think he can. But my main point is that he's not been proven and he's not had the ability to kind of be anywhere close to a pro's pro at this point. So where do we go from here? I mean, that's the thing. That's the question I would have to the, to the chat. Where, where do we go from here? Nick, I know you mean, I know you say lineups don't matter. And, and you know what? Like, statistically, maybe they don't. But at some point, I'm begging David Bell to, to at least make it make a change. And it's not not because I don't believe what you say, Nick. It, it, you know what I mean? Like, I really do appreciate what you say with that. And I, and I really do think that there's probably a lot of merit in what you say with it. But psychologically, it's just like, I just want to see if it sparks something. I agree with the psychological aspect of it. I'm talking the actual production value of it. Where guys hit in the lineup doesn't create that much. I think psychologically, yeah. If, if a guy's more comfortable in one spot, that's why I haven't said we have to rush Will Benson to the top. And I think there's some concerns. I think Clay Snowden, he got crushed for it, but he pointed out some of the expected stats on Will Benson, some of the BABIP. There could be some regression coming. And the last thing I think the Reds want is a guy that clearly the only thing that was holding him back at the beginning of the year was the mental side of the game. Last thing you want is his natural regression to happen while he's in the higher up in the order and you you, you mess up some of the momentum going. So I all in on the psychological thing. I have no issue with that. I just don't think you bat this guy here, you bat this guy here, boom, all of a sudden you're going to get a whole bunch more runs. It really, I don't think, works that way. But if you could get guys to feel more comfortable, um, they could produce better. Um, based on where they're at. Yeah, I think that, that that part of it does absolutely have some merit. And when India comes back, as we, I believe, Friday. still plan on coming back on Friday, I mean, that might be a good time to mix it up, a good natural time. You already have to mix it up to some extent. Right. Um, David Bell is, is, is very much changed how he approaches lineups because in 2019, he ran different lineups out there. He'd have a guy batting first and then sixth and, all over the place. He does not do that anymore. You, you know, like when Nixon Zell plays, he bats second against left-handed pitching. And I don't think it's because David Bell absolutely thinks Nixon Zell's my, my second best hitter or third best hitter or whatever. It's because he wants these guys in certain spots. I think he believes that that makes guys comfortable and something with that. I think that was probably something in his first year where he, uh, you did that and got a lot of flack for it or whatever and, and, and got a lot of, um, I don't know, maybe not a lot of heat, but, uh, you know, got feedback from the players and, right. and they didn't like that. And so he changed. But yeah, I, I'm with you on the psychological side. I don't have any issue if, if that's your motivation. Yeah, I mean, that that is my motivation. Uh, does it mean that it's going to work? No, but it just seems like we've gotten ourselves in a rut for so long. There needs to be a little bit of a shockwave to the system, and that might not even do it. I don't know what would do it, but I think that that's the closest thing I can I can come to, or the closest thing that would perhaps give us the easiest way to shock to to, to, to make something spark something. Nick asked the question on a scale of one to ten, with ten being the ultimate panic. Where are you and Nick at, honestly? 
what am I panicking on? Am I panicking yeah, on that's, make, that's, making the? Am I panicking on making the playoffs? Yeah, I, 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 think, pan- I think I think that's what we'll base it on. That's what they're going to discuss. That's that that's the that's the root of the question, right? I mean, panic panic usually is a, an alternative form of fear, and fear most of my life stands for false events appearing real. So I don't really panic a whole lot in my life. So I don't think it's a good question for me, if we're being honest. So my panic level, quite honestly, if 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 I'm being, you're gonna kill me for saying this. It's like a three. It's a three for making the playoffs. For making the playoffs, it's a three. I think I think this team. This is where I'm at with it. I'm gonna let you answer yours and give maybe the reason behind it. But my reason is this, Nick. In order for this team to have success in the postseason, they're gonna have to get hot. They're going to have to play a little above their head. This isn't a team that I'm rolling into the postseason with, and, and, and I'm thinking to myself, we're, we're going we're gonna to win just based off the fact that we're better than everybody. That's not, that's not, that's, that, that, that's just wrong. <laughs> that's wrong, 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 wrong. I don't believe that for, for a New York minute. But what I do believe is I think this team is a roller coaster so my panic mode isn't very high because if they do get hot, I'd like it to actually be, newsflash, not on August 8th. I'd like it to be towards the end of September. Now, does that mean that I don't want them to play decent baseball from now until the towards the end of September? No. But the way this team has gone all year long, Nick, I'm not, I guess I am, I'm not suggesting that I'm not all that upset that they're not playing well right now because I think there's a small chance that maybe 30 days they'll be playing a lot differently. And the track record says they're going to be playing really good baseball. Might not work out that way. But that's that's how I feel about it. All right, so I'm going to have a much different answer. I mean, if, if we're talking make the playoffs, my panic, I'm probably like a 7 or an 8 because looking at the odds, it's 22.2%. Um, I'll give the Reds maybe a little more credit than 22.2% because Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo is kind of the equalizer there. Uh, Reds have a pretty favorable schedule, although the numbers do have that caked into them. Um, so if we're talking making the playoffs, yeah, I'd say seven or eight. Um, but I, I think I probably would have been about a five at the trade deadline. So I don't think I've gone that much further. If we're talking state of the franchise, zero, zero. I have zero in the state of the franchise because they've already overachieved in my mind. Crush me for it. They've already overachieved any expectations that I had going into this year. And I think the future is better than it was for me in April or right now than it was in April. So two different answers, but yeah, I, I don't think this team has a great chance of making the playoffs. I don't, but that's okay. Don't you think though, like for those that are uh, the, those that are upset right now, those that are a little pessimistic, if I can talk you down, if I if I can bring you back a little bit, I'm not telling you how you, I'm not telling you that you shouldn't feel upset. I'm not. No, I'm, listen, you 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 are invested in this team as much as we are. You come into the show each and every night watching this show because you love the Cincinnati Reds, and by God, you can feel however which way you want. But if I wanted to try to make you feel better, and that's not really my goal here, but I just want to remind everyone. That a lot of the guys that are that are struggling, the, a lot of the guys that we're expecting to help us right now, have never, ever, 
not one time in their adult life played meaningful baseball games on August 8th. Never. And when I say never, I mean legitimately never. They've never played summer baseball that's last this long. They've never played school baseball that's last this long. They've never played in the minor leagues that mit a damn, because when you're in the minor leagues, you can say whatever you want. You can say, oh, yeah, they want to win. This happened. Let me tell you something. Yeah, they want to win, but they're looking out for numero uno, and that's themselves. They don't give a rat's tail about what are Chattanooga lookouts win the whole damn thing. They might actually care maybe at the very end of the season, but guess what? I don't know if you need to go back and look at the records of the previous teams in Louisville and Chattanooga. There wasn't a whole lot of meaningful baseball games being played on those teams in, the, in, in, in a long time. So to sit here and act like that these guys should 100% be producing, you got to remind yourself, these guys, it's, it's, this is all new to them. It's all new to them. It, I, am I giving them a little bit of an excuse? Yes, I am. But I also, sometimes they're not excuses. Sometimes it's just reality. Sometimes it's just the truth. So will Ellie turn it around and start playing better? I don't know. I have no clue. But the last thing I'm going to do is turn on the kid. The last thing I'm going to do is say the kid sucks. The last thing that I'm going to do is say that he's Aristini's Aquino. The la- that's the last thing that I'm going to do because that kid came up and gave this team a chance to get back, and they did. Ellie, if he didn't come up and play the way he did, guys, we wouldn't even be having these conversations. We wouldn't even be having these conversations. here. Andrew, with a super chat, said, what are your thoughts on Ellie's left-handed pitching stats? Do you blame Bell for continuing to put him at leadoff against lefties? Also, is the season over? <laughs> I like that at the end. That's funny. Season's not over. I don't know, Andrew, about where he hits in the lineup in regards to lefties. He's a switch hitter. I think you have to trust that his... Nick, you can you can speak on this probably way more than I... You have to at least somewhat trust that what you've seen at the minor league levels is going to translate to the big league level if you give him enough time. I know his right-handed numbers aren't nearly as good as what we'd like them to be, but you don't give up on Nick. Do we not... I don't want to say, and this isn't to you, Andrew, but in general, Nick, I know you get crushed for it, so I'll say it. Do we not forget what, like, we were begging the season was going to be? God, are we, have we, are we really that far off the deep end? I remember vividly saying, I really hope these guys just get a chance to, to, to sniff the big leagues and also get, a, get, a, get an idea of what we have at the end of the year. Those were my two main goals. I just want to know at the end of the year what we have. And now it's turning into these guys suck because they're starting to blow the NL Central or they're going to blow the wild card race. I mean, I get the frustration, but I think that if you look back and you relax, you, you be honest with yourself, we should be thrilled to death with the way that a lot of these guys have looked. So I'm not... Uh, I'm not going to change anything if I'm David Bell on Ellie De La Cruz and, and, and make him think for one second that I don't trust him when he faces a left-handed pitcher. Nick, I guess, do you have anything to add to that? I mean, you're going to need him to to face lefties throughout his career. Uh, I think he's made some strides there. Like, he was really bad last year. And, and I know he was a lot better in the minor leagues this year against lefties. He's just he's just going to be a, a guy that adjusts. Um, you know, O'Neill Cruz has very similar numbers to Ellie De La Cruz uh, last year. 
And um, when O'Neal came back this year, he looked like he was about to go on a tear, and fortunately the guy got hurt. This is, I think, probably what the realistic expectations of Ellie De La Cruz were. A mid-750, like a 750 OPS, that's probably what the realist, what Matt McClain did is not the expected. Like, I think we also have to look, like, look at a guy like Spencer Steer. Spencer Steer was pretty bad last September, right? And he made some adjustments, and now he looks like a, a bona fide, above average, well above average big league hitter. Like, it, it takes time for these guys, and they just, they, they, they need the reps. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's hard to watch these games. At, at a micro level, which is what we do, we a lot of us do this on a daily basis. We watch this team, and it's and, and you get you get so close to it that it's hard to really rationalize, and start, it's hard to see the bigger picture. Especially, and this is where I sympathize with 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 all of us, with all of us, and this is why people get mad at Nick when you've been starving for so long, man. When you've been dying for a team to do something in your life that you can be proud about. When when you when you've lived your whole life in your in your mid thirties like me, and you've never really seen any ounce of meaningful baseball played in the postseason outside of losing in the first round, there's reason to be upset. There's reason to be to be to be to be, uh, you know, I, for, for lack of a better term, there's a reason to have frustration, and that's where a lot of this comes from. That's where a lot of this comes from. But I don't want to be the person that takes out the frustration of yesteryear on people that had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. All right. Nick, who, what, when, where, and why? All right. Reds-Marlins, 12-35 tomorrow. It's a fun matchup. Old friend Johnny Cueto against Graham Ashcraft. Cueto, he's... uh. He only made one start earlier in the year with the Marlins uh, back on April 3rd, uh, and then he went on the IL with right bicep tightness. Did not return until July 16th. So his overall numbers, probably a little bit deceiving because in his four starts, he's coming back off the IL. He's actually got a 3.86 ERA, and he's gone at least six innings in each of his last three starts. Cueto is... uh, Got a career 3.23 ERA and five starts against the Reds, but has not faced the Reds since 2021. Of course, Cueto, ninth all-time in Reds history in strikeouts. Cueto and Arroyo are the only Reds pitchers with 90-plus wins since Tom Browning. Joey Votto, three for 12 with a home run in his career against Cueto. Tyler Stevenson is two for four. Will Benson actually faced Johnny Cueto. I guess that was in the American League last year when uh, Quaid was on the White Sox and Benson was on the Guardians. Uh, Benson's 0 for 3. Uh, Graham Ashcraft going for the Reds. Last seven starts has been outstanding. Got a 2.05 ERA. Does have a career 2.61 ERA and three starts against the Marlins. Uh, earlier this year against the Marlins, three runs over five and two-thirds innings. Uh, only downside on Ashcraft, he has struggled a little bit at home. He's got an ERA of 6.29 at home, 3.78 on... The road, but uh, yeah, Reds need a big start from Graham Ashcraft. This is a huge game, Trace, because obviously there's a half game difference between the Reds and the Marlins. They may not be the last two teams for the wild card race, but um, uh, this would also, a win tomorrow would also guarantee the Reds have the tiebreaker. If not, they're going to end three and three, and then they're going to go to whatever the hell the next tiebreaker is. I don't even know what it is. Um, So 
Uh, yeah, I mean, this, is a, this, is a, this is a big game for the for the Reds tomorrow for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, and uh, usually the, the the games where you have a homecoming, and, 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 and I know Cueto, maybe he's kind of accustomed to it by now, but, you know, Usually, it can go one of two ways. Sometimes, with 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 uh, homecomings, it can it can kind of spiral out of control. Your emotions get the best of you. You you don't have command, and you're all over the place. Or you you know you got a killer mentality, and your lights out, and you shove. We'll see what happens. Maybe it'll be in the middle, but I doubt it. I think it'll be one way or the other. Um, so hopefully tomorrow, Johnny Cueto um, just doesn't throw the ball well. And no disrespect, but that's just the way I feel. All right, let's get you caught up on all the Reds minor league action from Tuesday night. Start off with AAA, and it was a rough night for the Louisville Bats. They lost 14-4 to St. Paul. That's the Twins affiliate. Bats now 59-48 on the season. Louisville a game and a half back in the International League second half playoff race. And it was a really rough start for Connor Phillips. Phillips just an inning and a third, three hits, five earned runs. Three walks, two strikeouts, one home run allowed. Phillips, only 35% of his pitches were in the strike zone. Wasn't much better for TJ Antone. He allowed three runs in his inning in a third. Antone now has an 8-10 ERA. Might be a little bit deceiving because he has only allowed runs in two of his five outings. Novi Marte was 0-3 with a walk. Did have a flyout hit over 100 miles per hour. Jose Barrera, 1-2. Or sorry, one for four. He had two hard-hit balls. Double A, the Chattanooga Lookouts, they blanked Pensacola 3-0, and Julian Aguilar was fantastic. He had been struggling since being promoted from Dayton, but Aguilar was great on Tuesday night. Seven innings, no runs, three hits, no walks, and seven strikeouts. Blake Dunn and Reese Hines were each one for four. Hines also stole his 13th bag of the season. Now to high A, the Dayton Dragons, they lost 6-4 to Wisconsin. Dragons now one back in the Midwest League East Division second half race. Sal Stewart, though, he walked in his first plate appearance for the high A Dayton Dragons. He just got promoted, ended up reaching base three times in his debut. Edwin Arroyo stayed hot. He was 2-4 with a double and a walk. Cade Hunter hit his 13th home run of the season. Also walked twice, and and Austin Hendrick was two for five. Well, Loe Daytona, they were rained out at Jupiter, postponed due to some wet grounds. Well, thanks so much for joining us today for Chatterbox Reds. If I could just ask one favor of you, please leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast. You all have been so incredible with your support of this podcast and our show on YouTube. If you just take a couple seconds... Leave us a five-star review. We would really appreciate it. Reminder, Reds play at 12.35 p.m. today. That's Wednesday, August 9th. Myself and Trace Fowler will be live on YouTube in the ninth inning, so right around 3 p.m. or so. Hope that you'll join us for that. Make sure you subscribe to Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Hit the bell in the top right corner and turn on notifications so you know whenever we go live. And, of course... If you missed that, the podcast version will be in your feed early Thursday morning as we are the only Reds podcast with new episodes recapping every single game. Well, I hope that you have a fantastic Wednesday, and as always, go Reds.